Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, voters finally head to the polls after a divisive election campaign. Well, he recognizes the power of example. So why is he asking his own candidates to hide their vaccination status, even if they got vaccinated? What's the likelihood of the parties working together in the event of another minority parliament? We will look at the results on Monday and always put the country first. We shouldn't be in an election of $600 million, but we can use this as an opportunity for change for Mr. Trudeau. And how much will voter turnout be an issue? I'll be paying really close attention to what happens at polling stations in Canada today to see whether there are long lineups, whether there are difficulties in the voting process that has some people just turn away. It's Monday, September 20th, Election Day. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top stories from the campaign this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics and CPAC's coverage of the election throughout the day today and tonight. Good morning, Peter. Morning, Mark. It is election day. Here we are at the end of... It's uh, what? <laughs> it's what? Yeah. Believe it or not, yes, it, it is. is It is finally here, yes. Peter. I know I know how hard yes. you've been working over the last five weeks. Uh, the finish line it's is here. upon us. Yeah. Um, yep. So let's talk about what the leaders have been saying in the final hours of this campaign, because that is always very interesting in any election campaign, what those last messages are, those final appeals to the voters. So... What did you hear from from each of the leaders over the last 24 hours? Yeah, this is all about trying to, you know, for people who have not already voted in the advance poll, this is all about this is all about trying to frame a ballot box question for people because, you know, you know, some people pay close attention to campaigns, Mark, but they're the minority. Uh, the vast majority of Canadians sort of pick up uh, their sort of attention in the last week or so of the campaign, typically from the debates in to, to voting day. And so this is all about trying to consolidate a message around why you're the right uh, leader to lead the country. So, you know, on the final day of campaigning, the final couple of days of campaigning, uh, Justin Trudeau's message has been all about why Aaron O'Toole would be bad for Canada and calling on all progressives to, to join him, uh, you know, linking uh, Aaron O'Toole to Jason Kenney, uh, you know, as a, as a, uh, a pandemic sort of laggard and a, a, an anti-vax welcomer. And O'Toole has been basically pounding the same message almost from the beginning, which is don't you know reward Justin Trudeau with a victory when he called a, an election in the fourth wave of the pandemic that's getting worse. So punish him. That's basically his message. Uh, Jugmeet Singh is, uh, why would you vote for Justin Trudeau again trying to, you know, uh, trying to put a wall up against the liberal appeals to progressives to yet again abandon new Democrats and join the liberals to block a conservative. Uh, Aaron O'Toole, or sorry, uh, Jagmeet Singh being a little more forceful with that messaging this time, saying, you know, you can't believe anything Justin Trudeau tells you. He's had lots of time to deliver on his promises and still hasn't. So, you know, vote for the vote you want, vote with your heart, vote for the party you want. And so, you know, vote NDP because we've got a proven record of uh, getting, you know, people what they need in a minority parliament. And it looks like that's where we're headed again. So he's been hammering that message. And, you know, uh, as I said a couple of times this week, Mark, on CPAC and our programming, no, nobody's got a bigger smile on their face these days than the Francois Blanchet. Here's a guy that was, 
you know, the polls were predicting would be uh, beaten with a stick, you know, by the Liberals in Quebec when the election was was launched. Now, it looks very much like the landscape isn't going to change much at all in Quebec. And that's largely because in the last week of the campaign, uh, Yves-Francois Blanchet is, uh, looks like he's pulling people over uh, from the Liberals and others because of his message based on the English language debate that basically uh, the rest of the leaders won't stand up for Quebec and that, uh, you know, all the people in the rest of Canada uh, or certainly some of their political leaders and some of the, you know, the, the pundits think uh, Quebec's full of racists. So he's been playing that card and it looks like it's paying off. And for enemy Paul, it's, uh, the message is, look, yeah, we've had some problems, but you really give us, you know, if you really want change in Canada, you got to give us a serious look. Even though she spent almost every day of the campaign in her own riding in Toronto trying to win for a third attempt, trying to win that seat in Toronto Centre. So, Peter, it is looking increasingly likely that it will be a minority parliament that results from this election. Um, we'll have results and coverage tonight on CPAC, of course. But uh, if that is the case, then what happens next? And I know with the Liberals and the Conservatives very close in the polls, that can mean a number of different things depending on what happens in Quebec with the Bloc Québécois, what happens in British Columbia, what happens in Ontario, how that vote is distributed across the country in each case. Uh, it, it could be very close to the popular vote from the 2019 election and still produce a different result in terms of the number of seats for each of those parties. But um, are we going to enter into some interesting times after this election if the outcome in terms of the number of seats is close? Yeah, it depends on what you what you consider interesting. You know, I suppose for uh, for history and constitution and political wonks like us, yeah, this will be fantastic. For a lot of Canadians, they'll be looking at this movie and going, "What?" Uh, because you know, there's several possibilities here. Constitutionally, uh, you know, the government going into the election has the uh, has the constitutional right to meet Parliament and test the confidence of Parliament, even if they don't win the most seats. Uh, more conventionally speaking, uh, the party with the most seats gets to have the first shot at forming government. But if it's really, really close on election night, uh, you can see all kinds of possible scenarios playing it. Uh, you can see, and, and they've been asked about this on the campaign, and everybody's, you know, uh, conservatives are saying flat out, the party with the most seats wins. Uh, but uh, other, you know, Justin Trudeau, Jagmeet Singh have all been deflecting this question about uh, the possibility of liberals hanging on if they have fewer seats by trying to work a deal with uh, the NDP or work a deal with, uh, you know, uh, the Bloc Québécois. And I don't know if there have been talks between the Tories and the Bloc Québécois. At this point, I suspect there haven't been, uh, but there could be in short order. So then you start looking at possible relationships and combinations, but uh, the vote would have to be really close for this to be to become an issue is it possible yep uh we won't know till uh, late into the night uh, on monday night tonight whether you know that's actually going to work yeah or perhaps not even then uh depending on how close it is and how many mail-in ballots are still being counted and that sort of thing and speaking of that peter how much uh do you expect voter turnout uh to be an issue and this is an election happening in a pandemic there have been issues that have been raised about the number of polling stations and the difficulty getting staff to work those polling stations. So what might we see over the course of the day today? Yeah, the vote, the, the mail-in ballot thing is going to be pretty interesting, but I think you know only if we get a, a really tight race as it moves across the country. And by the time we hit British Columbia, if it's still super tight and there's some out you know, standing uh, ridings in BC where the race is too close to call. Uh, so here's a, a sort of number to consider. 
uh, of five of the highest mail-in ballot request writings, so of, of the writings that asked for mail-in ballots, the people in those writings, five of the highest writings uh, were in British Columbia, and they were uh, in seats where the margin of victory was less than the number of requests for mail-in ballots, if that makes sense. Uh, so there are more mail-in ballots possible in this election uh, than the margin of victory in the last election. So if there are some, if some of these seats are really tight, and, you know, 23 of the of the 50 highest mail-in ballot ridings in the country in British Columbia. So we'll be paying close attention to see in a tight race down to perhaps a half dozen seats or so. What if some of those key seats are in these ridings in British Columbia where we'll have to wait for the mail-in votes to be counted because they could make a difference. So watching for that. The other thing is it's been a nasty campaign, Mark, and we're in a pandemic. So I'll be paying really close attention to what happens at polling stations in Canada today to see whether there are long lineups, whether there are difficulties in the voting process that has some people just turn away and decide they're not going to bother standing in line for two hours or whatever it is. And if that's not an issue... Uh, I'll be just watching the voter turnout number in general to see whether in a nasty in a nasty campaign who's actually been engaged and whether people have said, you know what, this is so important as has been uh, the narrative from all of the leaders. Look, this is a really important campaign. You got to vote. Uh, but I'll be watching turnout to see if if people actually believe that or whether we have a low voter turnout number uh, that's either attributable in part to the to the pandemic and the difficulties involved in voting, or whether people just you know, uh, turned her nose up at the whole thing and said, this has been nasty, I'm not interested. And especially if they hear maybe there's going to be another minority government, they're just fine with that, and they'll just leave it at that. So, Peter, in the end, when we look back on the 2021 election, um, what do you think we will say it was about? Uh, because I think that's been one of the questions that has persisted throughout this campaign. It has been described as important uh, by so many people, especially Justin Trudeau when the campaign began. But other people have also portrayed it as unnecessary and costly, particularly the Conservatives. What do you think in the end people are deciding with this election? That's a really important question. Um, let me see if I can answer it this way, not not really to dodge it, but to move it down the road a bit. We may not know, Mark, until a couple of years down the road. And the reason I say that is, what if everybody's talked about a grand plan for you know economic recovery for transforming the economy uh for dealing with all of these social challenges faced by canada including uh continuing indigenous issues so what if we get two years down the road what if we get a minority parliament and two years down the road all of those things we've seen progress made on all of those things because canadians have sent a message to their politicians that minority parliament may not work for you guys but it's fine for us. So here you are again in the minority parliament, make it work. And if they find a way to make that work, because I'm not sure anybody's going to be in a hurry to go back to another election after what we've just been through. If they find a way to make that work, we may be looking back on this election to say this was a pivotal election where Canadians sent a message to their political leaders to make it work. And in fact, it did. Or uh, we could be, you know, we could be entering <laughs> a period of less wishful thinking where we, we get into a, a parliament that's uh, a really non-functional and we're back in an election campaign within the next year to 18 months because uh, nobody's going to be satisfied politically in the political parties with this outcome and are going to want to push uh, for change again somebody's going to want to try and win a majority all right 
Nothing left to do but vote for the people who haven't already and start counting the numbers and reporting on them, which CPAC will be doing tonight. Peter, looking forward to watching you with the coverage tonight and the whole team at CPAC. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. I'm just a note, all day long we'll be going across the country from coast to coast. You'll be with us on CPAC during the day as well as we uh, tell the story of the kind of uh, election fight it's been uh, in all of the regions of Canada throughout the day. Before we get to the results part. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. If you vote, you get what you want. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Globe and Mail argues, what comes next is up to you. The Globe writes... Voter turnout has become a growing problem in Canada. In the last three federal elections, roughly one in three registered voters never bothered to cast a ballot. Turnout could be lower this time if recent provincial elections are any guide. In an election that seems likely to produce another minority government, every seat will be critical. And consequently, so will every vote. In the Toronto Star, Robin Sears argues... The Liberals are rolling out the fear machine once again. Sears writes, Will the rusty old strategic fear cannons work again this time? The fear-mongering is always directed at progressive voters in Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal. They are seat-rich and full of orange-red switchers. But claiming that the sky will fall if those voters do not hold their noses and vote once more for the least-liked leader faces challenges in each city. Just outside those cities, however, there is some strategic value in fear politics. Perhaps the Liberals are so nervous in their struggle to win a bigger slice of those seats, using fear makes sense. In McLean's, Stephen Marr considers the revenge of Maxime Bernier. Marr writes, Bernier was left with a choice in 2017. He had to either accept a result in the Conservative leadership race or look like a sore loser and contest it. Instead, he left and started his own party, which until recently was not a very successful enterprise. It's starting to look like he will have his revenge, denying the Conservatives the votes they need to dispatch Justin Trudeau. If the polls are right, the People's Party will get a lot more votes than last time, likely enough to allow the Liberals to hang on. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, September 20th. Tune into CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for coverage of the federal election campaign and for the results tonight. And join me for Have Your Say every day this week on CPAC at 12 Eastern Time. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.